I remember the very day I walked into this church. Actually, it wasn't here, but in the Kitty City Plaza. It was 30 years ago, and I was a 30-year-old who so, so needed grounding in God's word. I praise God for this church. It's my church, and I love this church when I come here. It continues to be cemented in the truth of God's word. To say I feel privileged to speak to you today in this church, it's an understatement, ladies. Let's pray to invite God into our time together tonight. Lord, you alone are holy. Beyond description, Lord. Beyond our understanding, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together here tonight to study your precious word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open up our understanding. Help us to love you in a deeper and a more truthful way, Lord, because we have gathered here together tonight. We just pray in Jesus' name, your Holy Son, Lord. Amen. Psalm 119, if you have your Bibles, let's, let's go there together. Preparing for this study has made me fascinated with the Hebrew alphabet. I knew nothing about the Hebrew alphabet. In our English alphabet, an A, for instance, is a letter that makes a sound, maybe two sounds, in a word, but that's all it does. Not so in the Hebrew alphabet. Each letter has a meaning. Each letter has a symbol. Each letter has a numeric value and a word picture that represents it. It's very multi-layered. I like layers. Tonight, the eight stanzas that we will be studying, verses 17 to 24 in Psalm 119, all begin with the Hebrew letter Gimel. And if you put the accent in the other place, it's Gimel. So you say Gimel, I'll say Gimel, but it'll be the same. So look in your Bible if you're open to those stanzas. Look at verse 17 and right above... Verse 17, you will see the word Gimel. That's our letter tonight. And what looks like a little smudge next to it, that's the symbol for Gimel. The meaning of the letter Gimel, our study tonight, is a study in itself. But for today, we're simply going to say it means going forward. And for us, going forward as Christians, as believers, as sisters in Christ, with the Lord. So let's visit for a minute the symbol of Gimel. And Matt's going to show us the picture. You know when you see an ink spot and you say, you know, this is a cat holding an ice cream cone. And you say, I don't see a cat holding an ice cream cone. So... When I look at that little spot in my Bible, 
I don't quite see a camel, but now I see a camel, and I see how they made it into a camel. So Gimel is represented by the word picture of a camel. And I said to myself, what could a camel have to do with these eight verses in Psalm 119? But actually, God has shown me some beautiful imagery for Gimel. And this creature that he created called the camel. I admit I never knew anything or very little about camels. And I must say, I saw them as odd-looking creatures that spit a lot and grunt a lot. But I have learned some amazing things about camels. And Matt's going to show us a little video. Camels are considered to be part of their master's family. They truly are a member of their master's family. I found that fascinating. They are loyal. They are obedient, especially to their master. Camels are looked upon as willing servants. Camels have remarkable endurance. Handling fierce heat of 120 degrees plus in the desert and handling limited water. A camel can go over 30 days without water. No other animal God created can has, has that capacity. A camel's hump provides a storehouse of fat needed for energy for rugged journeys. And they have teeth that can break wood and easily chew cactus. And I think Matt has one more picture. <laughs> that is me on a camel in Israel. <laughs> so now I didn't really like camels when I went on that camel in Israel. But now I wish I could revisit that camel and realize what a wonderful creature a camel is. We're going to talk a little bit more about camels, but for now, will you turn with me to Psalm 119, verses 17 to 24. We're going to read through those verses. <clears throat> Verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse 17, ladies. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Our verses begin with a servant 
and a request from the servant to his master. The servant is the writer of this psalm. And the master, if you look at verse 17, it says your word. So the master is God of this word. And what is this request? He wants his master, if you read it with me, to deal bountifully with him. When I read verse 17, what I see is a servant because he's not asking, he's requesting. So I see a servant who is free to approach his master. I see a servant who feels confident and comfortable with boldness to address his master directly and honestly. You and I are given that same privilege. And Hebrews tells us we can approach the throne of grace, right, and receive mercy to find the help we need. This servant is approaching his master to find the help he needs. But what is he requesting? Do you remember a time as a child when there was a big gift under the Christmas tree? And you know, as kids, you look at the tags, especially the big presents, and that big gift had your name on it. Is that what he's requesting from his master? Bounty? When he says, deal bountifully with me, is he asking for the biggest piece of the pie, the biggest present under the tree? God is most definitely our God who gives bountifully. Agreed? He does. And we know that because it tells us in his word, right? It tells us he gives wisdom generously, right? In James, in Ephesians, it says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could even ask or even think. But is getting a bounty what will, look at verse 17, Make him live and keep your word. It couldn't be. Because we all know someone, or maybe you are that someone, who is going through the fire. And you're holding on to Jesus with everything you've got. So here in verse 17, bountifully, beginning with our Hebrew letter, letter Gimel, means to fully wean a child. Hold on to that word fully, because that's the key in this Gimel word. It means to fully ripen, or it means a full repayment or recompense. So this is what the writer of this psalm is saying in verse 17 to the one he trusts to approach and the one he trusts who is able. He's saying, deal bountifully, do fully in me what is necessary so that I will live a life that honors you, you, and keep, and I will keep your word. 
on this gimel, which is that journey forward as believers, when does it start? It starts when we say yes to Jesus until Jesus calls us home. This is what verse 17 is saying. Help me, Master God. Help me to fully submit as your workmanship for your purposes. Deal bountifully with me, the psalmist says, that I may live and keep your word. Otherwise, the psalmist knows, and we need to know, that something else is going to push itself into first place in my life. It's going to capture and captivate my time, my affection, and my attention. So do whatever is necessary, Lord, to fully make me submit to you so nothing else takes first place before you. If something else took first place, will it all be bad things? Certainly not. But will they be God's best things? Certainly not. Deal bountifully, fully submit my life to his workmanship for his, for his purposes. That's verse 17. Let's move on to 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I love that verse so much. I, I taped it on the front of my Bible. Whatever you do, don't leave that verse lost on the pages on this, on, in your Bible. Pull that verse out, verse 18, Psalm 119, and put it here. Open my eyes. Every time you go to God's word, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Another bold, it's, again, it's a, it's a, a direct statement. It's not a, a question. Bold, direct, trustworthy request from a servant who knows his master is able. Unless his eyes see wonders in the law for us in our Bible, we will yield our eyesight to something inferior. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Did you know that God created in our friend, the camel, two sets of eyelashes? I found that a very fascinating fact because it protects his eyes. Again, he's our gimel representative. Open my eyes so God created in a, a creature two sets of eyelashes to protect his eyes from glare and from sand or any other harm that he might encounter on his journey. But God has given us protection for our eyesight. And it's this. In John 17, 17, it's Jesus praying to his father. It's before he, 
leaves this earth and is called back to glory, he prays to his Father for us, and he says, sanctify them, Father. Sanctify them. Set them apart. And how? By your truth. Your word is truth. This is how we protect our eyesight, girls, by reading God's word, the Bible. Remember, this Bible, full of narratives, poetry, history, it's so much more than that. It's the God-breathed, written-down word of Almighty God transcendent God, holy, holy, holy God, his written word. Whoever this writer is, and we don't know he's not named, only had the partial Old Testament, but we have the full counsel of God. We have from Genesis to Revelation. Make 2023, okay? Make 2023 a commitment to love this more, to be in it more, to know it better. Sometimes in his Bible, it's easy to see wondrous things, right? The walls of Jericho collapsing, a Red Sea parting, someone being raised from the dead. Those are wondrous things. But what about Leviticus or Numbers? Are there wondrous things there too? Yes, but we need spiritual sight to see those wonders in God's word. God the Father declares who he is in his word. He declares his son, Jesus, in his word. And God the Holy Spirit teaches us from the authority of his word. Three persons, one God. Guess what the numeric value of Gimel is? Three. See, you're seeing wondrous things already. Can you imagine the layers and layers of wonder? I am in wonder studying these eight stanzas, never knowing what Gimel was before Kathy had asked me to pursue this with you. And I'm so appreciative of learning the wonders in these eight short verses in the middle of this, this loved, beloved psalm. All right. That's 17, 18, verse 19. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. The Gimel word in this stanza is stranger. I'm using the New King James. I have stranger. Your Bible version might say sojourner. A stranger is aware that he is not in his true home. Now, a stranger and a guest are different, even though they both are not in their true home. I'm a guest here tonight. The women's ministry made sure I was very comfortable in the bride's room, and I, had, I got treats and coffee, uh, water and peppermint patties, and I even had a parking spot saved for me. So 
Uh, I have a quick story about a parking spot. Ten years ago, we moved from Yardley to Philadelphia to be close to our Kensington mission field. And Buddy, my husband, the ultimate Philly guy, found us a row home with off-street parking. I've come to realize in Philadelphia what a big deal it is to have a parking spot. Listen, I grew up in New Jersey. I never once thanked God for a parking spot. But I thank God for parking spots all the time now. So one winter morning early, Buddy left early for the ministry, and I was up on the third floor. We have a row home, and it has one, two, three floors. Our bedroom's on the third floor. And I heard a car door slam in the, in the driveway. And I thought, oh, Buddy's back from the ministry. He must have forgotten something. And in our bedroom, you can't see the driveway. So I ran down to the second floor, and I looked out the window. And I didn't see Buddy. I saw a stranger, not a guest, had parked in our driveway. I mean, granted, it was winter and there was snow on the streets and limited parking. But even in Philadelphia, I didn't think that people parked on other people's driveways. So I opened the second floor window and I said, hello down there, stranger in my driveway. Excuse me, you can't park there. She said, I'll be right back. And it was a woman, and off she went. I ran up to the third floor, and I got my phone, and I ran down to the second, the first, and out the door as fast as I could, and the stranger was nowhere to be found. But her car was parked in our driveway. I called Buddy. Even he was surprised, and there's nothing that really doesn't surprise Buddy anymore. So he did what any good Christian would do. He called the tow truck. He did. Ten minutes later, still no stranger. She had disappeared. But the tow truck was there. And just as he was backing his mechanism into our driveway to get her car out of our driveway, out of the shadows, comes running the stranger and yelling at me and using not such nice language. Of all things... She got in her car and she drove away. That's a story of a stranger acting like they are at home. Back to verse 19. Here in verse 19, this psalmist knows he is a stranger who is not at home. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. God's word tells us our citizenship is where? In heaven. Amen. And this, God's word, it's our navigation device, our GPS, our map quest, if that still is even around, our guide until we get home with him. Verse 20. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. When I'm in Feasterville, I love going to Liberty Thrift. And where's Matt? Matt, every time I go there, I run into your wife. The last couple of times we have seen each other. I love, I love shopping there. 
And I was there recently, and I noticed the bumper sticker on a car parked near mine. And Matt's going to show it to you. I hope it's nobody's car that's in here. I don't know why, but I took a picture of it. But I think God knew that I was going to use it for something. It just startled me. My life, my rules. I suppose that bumper sticker was a declaration of sorts, of freedom, autonomy for that person. But is it my life, my rules? If we all calculated right and wrong based on my life, my rules, or your life, your rules, this culture, this society, my peer group, what a mess we would have. It would be the book of Judges all over again, where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. For this psalmist, his very soul is governed by one, capital O, one authority. A God who never changes. God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There can only be one voice that settles an argument, and it must be his voice, ladies. Let your soul long, like the psalmist, for his authority. Trust his authority in your life. Verse 21. You rebuke, rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Wow. What a contrast there from the prior verse. A soul longing for the judgments versus what we read in verse 21. Anything so startling in contrast to God's word has to have pride lurking somewhere. And there it is right in the middle of the verse. You rebuke the proud. Pride wears many disguises. But simply put, pride is rebellion. Pride is wanting or choosing my way over his way. Sometimes it comes in little packages, and sometimes it's pretty blatant. But when we choose my way, my life, my rules over his way, his purposes, his rules, it's P-R-I. D E always notice the end of that verse you rebuke the proud 
the cursed who stray from your commandments. I have the New King James Version. I have the word stray. Anybody reading from a King James? Okay. It's er, 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 er. Sounds er. How do you say it? Er, 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 er. Your version might also say wander. Anybody have wander? Okay. Isn't it so like the enemy? To get us off our journey forward. Not with a leap, but with a stray. With an er, with a wander. It's the slow fade, ladies. You rebuke the proud, the cursed. That sounds so big. But it doesn't say who catapults from your commandments. Who stray? Who wander? Who err? We need to walk carefully. Paul says, right, circumspectly. God tells us what starts as a desire, a wander, an err, a stray leads to sin, which brings death. A step off the path, a wander. It's P-R-I-D-E. Thank God if he is rebuking you today, tonight, because he loves you. He doesn't want you to put one pinky toe off the narrow path. It starts as a desire. It leads to sin. It brings death. God told Joshua when he had taken all of Israel over the Jordan, and now he had to, he had to lead these people. And God gave Joshua the advice that he gives you and I. Live out his instruction do not depart from the word, Joshua 1.8. That's how he was able to live God's instruction for all those years. One of those blameless characters in the Bible. Do not depart from the word. Camel fact. <laughs> Eddie, for another one. I learned that camels... God created camels with nostrils that can discern what is good or not good. I find that fascinating. They open and close based on whether the area to breathe is good or not good. We need nostrils like that to take in or not take in. Don't breathe in even a little lie. Stay close to his word. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Verse 22. Remove from me reproach and contempt. For I have kept your testimonies. 
princes also sit and speak against me. But your servant meditates on your statutes. So that's verse 22 and 23 together. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. In verses 22 and 23, what the writer seems to be describing is an attack. It seems to be an attack on him for standing fast in the Lord. Did you ever experience that? <laughs> It reminds me of the game they play at trampoline parks. If you've ever taken your kids there or seen it, it's called Battle Beam. Have you ever seen Battle Beam? It's a little beam, and you have two people on the beam, and they have blow-up sticks, and they don't really hurt you. But there's one objective. Your opponent has the goal to take his inflatable stick and to knock you off your feet. That's battle beam. And you have one goal, to keep your feet firmly planted underneath you. But our journey is not a game. And our sometimes our opponents use sticks that hurt. Right? And there's some hurt in these verses Reproach, whether that's insults or scorn, contempt, which means it's a very sad word. It means to, ha to devalue someone, to, to say that someone doesn't have any regard. To disregard somebody, that's worse than an insult. Um, it's a devalue of the person's, uh, how they have been created in Christ. How relevant in 2022 with the cancel culture. You know, somebody is disregarding your thought process, devaluing your person. And for this psalmist, his opposer sounds like, look at 23, is sitting in a position of authority. Sometimes ours do also. How do you hold your ground when the attacks come fast and furious and they're real and the sticks hurt? God created camels with amazing feet. He really did. You got to look up some, Google some camel facts. You'll be so surprised. A camel has feet that expand. So when the load is heavy, he doesn't sink. 
in the sand. Pretty amazing, these Gimel verses. God created a camel with feet that expand. So when his load is heavy, he won't sink. What do we do when our load is heavy and the opposition is all around us? Our feet were equipped with armor too. It's in this word. It's called where feet are shod with the gospel of peace. We stand on the truth of God's word. He's equipped us. Corey Ten Boom, lover, loved to quote her. She would always say, if God sends us strong paths, he will provide strong shoes. If God sends us strong paths, he will provide strong shoes. Love that. Verse 24. Our final verse in this Gimel section, Psalm 119. Your testimonies are, excuse me, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. For this psalmist, God's word brings him delight and is his delight. And God's word is his counselor. A counselor brings wisdom, guidance, direction, understanding. In this holy Christmas season, we are reminded of Jesus's name, wonderful, comma, counselor, comma, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is our counselor. He gives his counsel here. The Holy Spirit, full of counsel, in Isaiah, it tells us, right? Counsel, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, might. He opens up our understanding. He opens up our eyes. We live in a completely different time as this psalmist, whoever he is, but we share something in common with him. It was up to him and it's up to us to journey forward. In these verses, that's what we've been seeing, how to grow forward in Christ, how to complete the work, the purpose ordained before the foundation of the earth for us to do for him. It's not a coincidence that these truths were preserved here under the Hebrew letter Gimel in Psalm 119. I pray. I looked for the camel in this little nativity, but he's not there. <laughs> I was going to use him as a little tool, but I pray that every time you look at the camel in your nativity scene this Christmas, God will bring these eight Gimel verses to your remembrance. 
Ladies, allow God to deal bountifully with you. Verse 17, fully submit so he can fully complete his workmanship, his purposes in your life. Pray every time you open God's word for him to open your eyes, verse 18, that you may behold with spiritual eyes wondrous things from his law, this holy word of God. And stand fast as you trust him as the ultimate authority and the ultimate counselor. Amen, sisters. Amen. Amen.